And I would invite you to take out your Bibles this morning, opening to the Gospel of John, chapter 17. John, chapter 17. We've spent the past several months in our prayer time using God's Word to unite our hearts together in prayer, focusing upon the Ten Commandments. The commandments which reveal to us the, the heart of God, the nature of God, the character of God. Each commandment reveals to us not only that, but also it reveals to us our own inability to keep the law, that we are not God, and that we have broken God's law. And the Ten Commandments also open the portal of grace, because God sent His Son Jesus to come and do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Every one of those commandments that God demands perfection from us for and will send us to an eternal punishment because of our failure to do so. Uh, we have broken those, yet God in mercy and grace has provided, provided salvation through His Son Jesus who kept every one of those laws and every, uh, that law in its fullness perfectly for us. And so our prayer time has been focused upon uh, acknowledging the glory of God, acknowledging our helplessness, our fallenness, our sinfulness, uh, individually and corporately, and then looking to Christ. Lord, all we have is Christ. He's the one who has done it all for us. This morning, after having finished those Ten Commandments, we're going to give a little bit of attention to John chapter 17, which is Jesus' high priestly prayer. Let me read the text this morning. We're going to focus upon just the first few verses. John chapter 17, I'll begin reading in verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world, Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, 
and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Have you given much attention to John chapter 17 before? I feel like probably you've read through it, maybe in your Bible reading, reading through the Gospel of John. But have we ever taken the time to really pause and consider and contemplate the depth of truth that Jesus is praying to his Father. We're going to be spending the next little while, I'm not exactly sure how long, but here in John chapter 17, even during our time of prayer. Because what we have here in John chapter 17, just to kind of give a brief overview this morning, is Jesus praying for his church, his people. Those that he says, these that you have given to me, Father. These are the ones I'm praying for. And I'm praying for them throughout the end of time, pretty much. And ultimately, Jesus says here in, in his prayer that the hour has come. In John chapter 17, verse 1, the hour has come. What's significant about that is that all throughout the Gospels, over and over, Jesus is constantly proclaiming to his disciples or to others, the time has not yet come. All right? The time has not yet come. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't reveal this because why? The time has not yet come. And now this is just, just, just prior to Jesus taking that final action of the three and a half years of public ministry that the Father sent the Son to accomplish for His glory in the salvation of His people. And Jesus says here in this prayer, this prayer to the Father, the hour has now come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. This is a fantastic, fantastic portrait of the inner workings of our, our triune God. 
We have a conversation, a prayer conversation between the Son and the Father that's linking their eternal plans and purposes to save some for the glory of the Father through the life, death, and resurrection of God's beloved Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus here, as He's at the doorstep of the cross, says, we're here. Before anything was, we had planned this moment. Everything that we've done, going back to Genesis 1-1, everything that transpired in the Garden of Eden, everything that we accomplished in calling out Abraham and, and, and his descendants and that family and the line of David, everything that we accomplished, all, the, uh, all that we read, everything has brought us to this moment. The time has now come. And Father, you and I know this whole thing was about one thing. It's not about them. It's about our, your glory. It's about our glory that existed long before any of this. Long before there was a world and mountains and sky and heavens and earth and dirt and waters and humans made in the image of God, there was a triune God who was in perfect harmony, happiness, and joy in himself. And they, they existed to glorify themselves in one another. And in the fullness of time came this plan to maximize that glory in God's eternal plan of salvation, creating a world, a world that would rebel against its maker. And this God who is not obligated, and there's no reason in the world why this maker who's been sinned against should ever do anything to gracious or merciful to that creation that rejected him for his glory is going to condescend in the human flesh, in the form of Christ, to bring salvation. And so Christ here, before he goes to the cross, is praying. He's praying over the church, those that God has given him throughout the end of time, praying, glorify yourself in what we're about to accomplish in these people. And what's he about to accomplish? It's not our escape from hell. I mean, yes, that is part of it. But what he's about to accomplish is these are a people who have rejected you, God. They've rejected you, your beauty, your majesty, your glory. And now, through the cross, all that sin, what I'm about to do, Jesus is praying, will be forgiven for your people. And now glorify yourself in your church. Glorify yourself by opening their eyes to see your beauty, your glory, your majesty. Open their eyes that they will get such a glimpse of you, O oh God, O oh Father, that they would be changed by it. Now, there's a lot of intricacies in this prayer that, Lord willing, we'll be spending the next few weeks considering and walking through. But this is the broad prayer that Jesus' high priestly prayer that he's praying over his church, over you and I, throughout all ages, throughout the end of time. The hour has come. I'm about to execute for your glory what this whole thing has been about. And now my prayer is, you apply your glory to them. You 
apply your beauty to them. Open their eyes that they may see what I see and what I know, the beauty and majesty of God. Open their eyes to behold the beauty of Christ, the beauty of the Holy Spirit. And that really is biblical Christianity. We've been talking often in the past several months about how biblical Christianity has become something far different from what God in eternity past established it to be. It is about a preoccupation with God. It's about a preoccupation with the beauty of Christ. Biblical Christianity is, I have found that pearl of great price, and it is Christ, and He is so valuable, so sufficient, so beautiful in majesty and radiant in glory that I'll do whatever is necessary to have Him. And what's necessary is forsaking all else and loving Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Just like in that first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Doesn't mean when you come to worship me, come and make sure I'm first among all those gods you've worshipped. God says what? When you come to worship me, don't you bring another idol with you. I'm not content with being first among other idols that you've got in your heart. You shall have no other gods before my face. I don't care if I'm first and other important things are second and third. I demand to be 100% your love. That's biblical Christianity. To so love Christ in this way. This morning we must see the beauty of God. Exactly what Jesus is praying for his church. You really can't claim to be a church. If you're not entranced with the beauty of God. You can be religious. You can be moral. But you can't be Christian and not be captivated by what Jesus says here. The time has come. This is what we're about to accomplish. Glorify yourself as you glorify me for your church, for your people, for those you've given to me. As we gather this morning, it's not an option for us not to see the beauty of God. It's not an option for us not to be enchanted by the beauty of God. That's how an unbeliever lives. We do recognize that, right? An unbeliever can be and will be ho-hum about the glory of God. What sets us apart is that by God's grace, He has glorified Himself through Christ in us. We must see this. And so it behooves us to pray exactly what Jesus is praying over His own crucifixion, His death, His resurrection, His ascension, and uh, placement at the right hand of the Father. Enchant your people with my beauty, with my glory.